Hello, you're listening to Our Walk, the podcast that speaks to real people with real stories about a real God. Each episode is split into three parts. We have the first part where we talk about your childhood, your upbringing, your family, your friends, your school life, and anything that came before you met God. Part two is when you met God, when you encountered him for the first time, how that happened, what's been building up to that. And then part three is what's happened in your life since you met God. What is the transformation that has happened since he's encountered you? We do encourage everyone listening to get in touch with us. Email ourwalkpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at ourwalkpod or search us on Facebook, Our Walk. And as usual, I am joined by Luke Emmett. And this week we're speaking to Darry. Luke, how are you doing this week? Oh, I'm a bit tired, Stephen. Uh, I don't know what all it is. It's the weather or whatnot. I don't know, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling blessed. Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm feeling a bit humid. The air is a bit thick. I'm not liking it. Oh. But mm. I'm blessed because we are sharing a room with a person we know as Darry, a person who introduces himself as Darry, but whose name on Facebook is not Darry. <laughs> what? Tell us... Your real name? Alright, my name is Oludari Odwali. So just for simplicity, I most times shorten it to Dari, which is actually what I'm used to from childhood growing up. In fact, the full name itself is actually much more lengthier than that. Oh, is really? it? Oh, can you share that with The us? full name itself is Oluwadamilari. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. And you got it at first attempt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm quite good. I'm quite good. <laughs> I'm not gonna. So, so Derry, tell our, our viewers, our listeners, I've got to stop saying viewers. You do. Listeners. <laughs> um, where you're originally from? All right, I'm from Lagos, Nigeria. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, so part one is usually sort of about the childhood. So if you just want to sort of go into that, you know, uh, talk about your childhood, uh, your family and, you know, school or whatnot or whatever you, you were doing at that age, you know, please go ahead. Yeah, I was born to uh, into a family of Nigerians, my dad and my mom, both from southwest Nigeria. And I am the fifth child of seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I hope I didn't get that number wrong. Sometimes <laughs> I have to calculate it in my head. Is it five or six again? I'm the fifth child of seven. And um, it was interesting growing up, uh, being in a large family. And it was a lovely experience as well, too, because we just grew up with this, envi- with this environment where when you grow up, um, your elder ones take care of you and then you have to take care of your younger ones from young age and all that. Mm. And that sort of, I think that really helps to an extent because it helps some level of quick maturity for us and the, in the family growing up. And over th- all through my life, going up all till now, it's something that I think has really, really been there to be like, oh, you kind of sound matured than your age, something like that. And then my education was a bit fast as well too. I most times was in class where people who were uh, much a bit older than I am. Mm-hmm. And um, fortunately for me, I think maybe that's also genetical or something. I kind of do very well in class. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a time I had the second position of 156 students. And then the next time I got, I came fourth out of 160 students and I was crying. Oh, wow. and, oh I've just done terribly. Oh, my dad is going to beat me up today and all that. So that's one uh, 
part about me. My parents also helped in terms of studying. We had to study extra hard at home. Yeah. I remember one of our cousins coming to visit us one time and the moment he saw us reading, they're not living too far from us, the moment he saw us reading, he just told my dad, say, oh, I'm going to our house to ease myself. It's like, oh, we got toilet here, you can use it. No, I'm going home to ease myself because he knows that once he comes in, he would have to join us reading oh, as right. well. Yeah, so right. maybe partly because my dad <laughs> was a teacher. All right. As a dad, he's retired now. Mm. Yeah, so that's one thing about my childhood, I could say. A lot of stories to talk about. Mm. A lot of stories, cool. Um, and so... Are your family or, or were they family or, well, I guess, they are they still, are they, were they Christians when you were growing up? Did you have a belief in God in the family? Yeah, or? I grew up in a family that my parents believed in God. Yeah. We attended church regularly every Sunday as much as possible. And uh, we grew up like that as well, too, from a very early age, loving to go to church much more regularly. I have elder ones who are also very committed in church, so that really helped in terms of me going to church much more regularly as well so i could remember there was one time at age four i, I went missing in the house and they searched for me everywhere they couldn't find me eventually they found me in church uh -huh. i was like at age four i walked a distance of about 15 20 minutes away from the house all the way to the church and they found me there i was just i just went to the church and i went to sleep <laughs> <laughs> so I've, i grew up loving to go to church yeah like loved that. sleeping there as well <laughs> 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 So I, you said your dad was a teacher, you were brought up to study hard. And yeah. So did you, was that ever difficult for you? Was there ever a moment in your life where you, or especially in your childhood, where you were a little bit like, ah, oh, I just want to go and have fun, stop making me study? Like. Yes, yes. I really, really didn't enjoy reading, even mm -hmm. though I grew up having to read regularly in the house. I really didn't enjoy reading. It's it's always more like you've been forced to do it. Even though um, then in school I get to have good results at the end of the time. Most times I don't get to read until the exams was already there. And then my reading wasn't the one that I have to do over stretch and all that. At the time I remember having to read much more forcefully it was when I was writing my exam, finishing prim at the end of primary school. Then I was writing it a year earlier than I should. In Nigeria you have primary six as the last. Um, school year in primary school and I was writing it from primary five so I had to study harder during that period when my siblings are watching TV I had to be studying and that was very painful mm. so yeah. I really didn't like it yeah. I remember at some point I thought of becoming a lecturer growing up and I was like no I, I'm not going to become a lecturer because lecturers would have to keep reading all the days of their life and yeah. I don't want to read all the days of my life so I really didn't enjoy it yeah so that was your childhood. Was that also your teenage years? Like, if you're thinking a bit older than that, like... Yeah, sort of. In my teenage years, even until I got to the university, I really wasn't the kind of person who likes to read a lot of school books as well, too. But then at the, at the point I got into the university, I, that was when I really started reading, as in reading outside school books, yeah. Mm. So then I had targets for myself. I mean, the books I need to read, at the, uh, I need to read at a certain time, within the space of a year. I also had my target for reading the Bible. As at that point, at about 16, 17, I had a target of always reading Genesis to Revelation every year and all oh, that while right. I was in the university, yeah. yeah. So what, what degree were you doing at university? I studied agricultural economics and extension. It appears that I love things that have very long names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like your name. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so we get, we'll get into part two, like your sort of first encounters with God and uh, stuff yeah. like that. Before that, before you had like a proper first 
encounter or first moment with God where he truly became real to you. Uh, you said all your life you've had this upbringing with your yeah. family, being Christians, yeah. having a belief in God. Yeah. Uh, from a young age, what was your sort of take on all of that? How did you sort of perceive God at a very young age? Obviously, you're taught all the stuff at church yeah. and by your parents, but you personally, how did you sort of feel about it all? Okay, so I loved going to church and all that, but growing up, especially in my teenage age, when I was able to now like take responsibility for a number of my decisions, as at that point, I formed a mindset. And that mindset was that you can't just please God as a youth. Mm. So there is no point trying. Do your best, go to church, do everything, be a good boy, attend every services and all that. But things that gives you pleasure growing up, you can still do it. You can still have dirty talks with your friends and all that. You can still hang out with girls if you want. Even though there was that desire for me growing up, somehow I really, I didn't get the opportunity. Mm. The opportunity for it did not really, I could have gotten some slight attempts and all that, but I really didn't have that so much of opportunity of going down the path of, I think that was like a major uh, thing for me in terms of the aspect of having multiple girlfriends and all that but growing up I really didn't have the opportunity to make it happen mm. but I had the mindset then that you just can't please God mm. so just live your life and then little things like in the examination hall in, in, in school have friends ask me questions in the exam hall and when the vigilator is not looking I pass the answers to them I say oh this is the answer and all that so mm. things like that were like the kind of things that I think I found myself doing oh. growing up then yeah oh right um and i mean i'm not sure i'm not sure if you know steve but in in lagos how is yeah. how is the sort of christian sort of community what what's church sort of like over there is it is it big is it sort of well known like is it something in most families in nigeria lagos yeah so implemented? so lagos is a very heavy church environment okay yeah right. we have a whole lot of churches mm. in lagos almost more churches than human beings <laughs> every so, church has half a person <laughs> so we have a lot of churches big churches small churches a whole lot of churches are all there in lagos and um it's it's an environment where religion was very very important fabric of the society right where it's you don't it's not like a place where you ask people that are you religious it's a place where you're more likely to ask people are you a christian or a muslim because those are like the two popular religions yeah. there so you just it's expected that you just have to be one of this and if you're a christian it's expected that you have to go to church almost every sunday so you, but you have some very few people who don't go but it's yeah. an expectation in the society that you should be a member of a church you should have a church that you yeah. attend well, it's something similar yeah. to how yeah. england used to be it used mm -hmm. to be everyone went to church yeah the thing you know yeah. there was Obviously, we don't do that anymore. You mm. mentioned um, multiple girlfriends and that kind of live your life kind of thing. Was yeah. there a desire in you to have multiple girlfriends and all that kind of thing? Yeah. You said the opportunity never came, but was there something you... Yes, there, there was that desire. In fact, at some point, I actually told myself that uh, because I didn't have that opportunity growing up in secondary school. My life was more like a triangular one. Mm. I go to school, come back home to church, school, home, church, like that. So it's more like locked. So as at a point, I was telling myself that, oh, when I get to the university, oh, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have that. And then because I know that um, to an extent, because I do well as well too academically, that sometimes is a kind of a leverage 
to even make it happen because there was that kind of close opportunity then in secondary school but it's a closed environment so you don't even get the opportunity so much just like i said because i leave triangular but then i was casting all my hopes to when i was going to get into the university to say yes the university the university mm -hmm. that was where i'm going to be able to have the opportunity to arch these mm -hmm. plans eventually but it was just like how peter on his uh, paul sorry on his way to just mm -hmm. going to attack christian his plans got truncated by God midway. Awesome. Well, <laughs> I think that's where we should end part one. We'll take a little break and then we'll be back in part two and we'll find out uh, the first time you sort of came back to know who God is and the first time you encountered him. Okay, so we're back. Steve Kurt is here. He's a bit speechless. Um, <laughs> don't know why. He's, his mind's gone blank. I've run out of words to say. <laughs> uh, but we're back. So, Dari, we, you know, we've learned all about your childhood in Lagos, Nigeria, uh, your family, your one of seven children. Seven, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and during your sort of teenage years, you sort of drifted away or had you know, some desires outside of living a life of God. Yeah. Um, so tell us, how did you sort of come back into knowing who God was? Was there an encounter, a moment of being with him or something? Just just tell us about Yeah, that. so it's an experience that was kind of uh, a bit not very conventional because I go to church every time. Sometimes we have seven days program all through the week and I attend all these times. I attend vigil in church three times. But all this period, it seemed to be like no someone ever really hits the point to be, oh, you need to live your Christ life right and all that. As at a point when I was preparing to get into the university, I've just written the exams post-secondary school and waiting for the results to come out and all that. So, and, you know, in church, I was serving even as an interpreter in my church so imagine that you see the one standing beside the preacher interpreting what the preacher is saying to every other person but yet the sermon is not sinking in to mm -hmm. say to convict me convict me not enough to be able to say i want to live my life of christ but then i was discussing with a lady who also happens to be serving as an interpreter in church as well too and a translator for uh, to, to to be grammatically correct mm -hmm. yeah so i was speaking to her, with her as well too and she said so she was just talking to me about our walk with God, what she started in the Bible, living right and all that. So it was just a conversation. You know, the funny thing is that initially before that conversation, it was more like, wow, look at this beautiful lady and all that. That was yeah. the thought before we really had that conversation then and all that. And coincidentally, she was already in the university that I am going to. Oh, as right, well too so i was like oh so that just that was like the foundation that i really started conversation and after the conversation that day, i got to him and i was like god if a youth if someone young can be living for you like this that means it's possible that means the mindset of saying it's not possible to live your life for christ is actually wrong so that was the conversation that actually convicted me that made me have that decision to say okay now i'm going to live right for christ now i'm going to drop everything that is against him that was it was at that point that I really, really made that decision. Uh, but 
it took a while after then before I responded to an altar call in church, mainly because I attended services that mm. the altar call did not happen for a number of times. Okay. And then the first service I attended, then I was now in the university because that period was very close to me. I was now in the university. This same lady was one who invited me to a church and then I attended a church and got the altar call and I gave my life to Christ mm. there. And that was where the work actually changed. But the truth was that even I was not that kind of person. I didn't have that kind of story that I gave my life to Christ and everything just changed. Mm-hmm. Everything, I just dropped it. That was not the kind of story that I had. I gave my life to Christ, but it was a gradual process oh, yeah, that... for me. So I've made the decision, but, oh, this particular attitude, okay, I just dropped it now. This one, so, because sometimes I still find a way to justify something. It's like lying to get... Um, times two of the money you need to get books in the university so just to get some more extra spare cash and all that so but gradually i was able to drop some of this and say okay no this does not fit in this does not fit in this does not fit in but so it was a it was a gradual uh growth process and as a matter of fact as a christian it's a continuous growth yeah <laughs> it is yeah yeah we're, we're always growing in exactly. faith and stuff like that you know and that's just a, a natural thing you know you have these moments of when you either make that dedication of like okay this is going to be my life from now on or you have like a euphoric moment spiritually you know you're connecting with um god for the first time and it's amazing but like you said it's not an instant life-changing thing you know it is in a way yeah but you've really got to commit to it you've really got to work on it you know yeah as you said gradually you take every day as it goes every week as it goes and bet yourself as a person Mm -hmm. for the goodness of Christ in, yeah. in this world of uh, sin that we live in. Um, so, from what you sort of said, it was all a, a mind thing. Like, you actively thought, okay, yeah, yeah no, this this is good, you know, this yeah. is the way I should be living my life. Yeah. Did you have any sort of, um, like, spiritual sort of connection from those moments as well? Like... Did you feel anything that was sort of different that really empowered you, like the Holy Spirit? Did, was there like some, I don't know, wave of feelings or anything like that? Well, I I, I believe that, you know, I can't remember this, uh, the exact verse of the scripture that talks about the fact that it is the Holy Spirit himself that actually helps us believe. That's just me paraphrasing it. Mm. So I really didn't have some absolute like, a very spiritual yeah, kind like of moment down on the or something, or, or, like that, no. or just get home and then you just start weeping and then you can't control it or something. Yeah. So for me, I but I believe that in that conversation, it was the spirit of God that actually made that word mean something more to me, mm-hmm. because uh, that 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 was majorly it for me. So it was that decision to say, okay, I'm not doing this again. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm shifting to this now, and help me, Lord, and the few weeks or months after that time when I came out for the altar call, that was just it. I came to the altar call and then it was a gradual change, dropping things. At some point, when I just gave my life to Christ, I was like, yeah, so now that I've actually given my life to Christ and I believe I have the Holy Spirit, I think I don't even need to pray because God already knows everything that I need and everything that I, that it should stop from happening to me. So he should protect me. I don't need, I, these are one of the 
understanding I conceived of myself. Mm-hmm. But as time goes on, I, as I read the scriptures and all that, somehow from somewhere, maybe listening to a sermon or having a conversation or something, I got the right mindset to say, no, you still have to communicate. You don't get married to somebody and say, now she's now my wife. We don't need to talk again. <laughs> yeah. So she knows everything I need. <laughs> so she asks, are you hungry? You just keep quiet and you keep a straight face. <laughs> she's left to decipher that you need to eat at that point and all that. So it was... Mm. That was that was the kind of work. One thing I would just like to mention as well too was the fact that, you know, before I had that conversation with that lady, before I made that decision about coming to Christ and all that, my commitment in church that I was attending then was so much that even I got so active in the youth ministry in church. As at this this time I was talking about, I was sixteen. Mm, yeah, right. I got yeah, I was sixteen at that time and all that. Got active with the youth ministry in church, and I could remember preaching my first message in the youth. Um, uh, it was a, it was a, uh, an evening service. I could remember preaching in that youth uh, service at that point, while I've not even given my life to Christ, yeah. and you know preached a message, and the pastor came over. That was a wonderful message, and all that. So like that was how much I was very religious. Mm-hmm. It's a way to say I could do everything and all that. But yeah, that relationship was the major link that was missing. Even don't get me wrong, you know, even at that period that I've not really come to Christ, I had. I wouldn't do things that will be extremely wrong. I wouldn't do things that is illegal according to the law. Yeah, so yeah. I still had that conscience that still guided, oh, no, 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 you can't do this to hurt this person. Oh, you can't do this and all that. So they were just very little insignificant things. Uh, well, nothing no, nothing yeah. is in, nothing wrong is actually insignificant. Yeah. There were just some little things here and there in the sides of people. But the main, main major thing for me that was actually the change was that decision and that relationship mm-hmm. to have with Christ. So at the point that I came out, gave the altar call, there was that difference. So there was that longing, that desire to know more to study the word of God, to have regular fellowship with him. And that was like the main change, yeah. So I have a question. Um, you mentioned like you were very religious, you were allowed to preach and yeah. you hadn't actually given your life yet. Mm-hmm. So would you say you kind of felt like you flew under the radar a little bit? Like people thought you already had and yeah. people thought you were already doing everything you should be. So it was almost like, oh, he doesn't, you know, he's already done that. We don't need him to give his life to Yeah, it's it's almost like that. And then it also goes to like churches where on regular Sunday services, you come in, you preach the message, you pray and all that. But there is no that room to do altar call in services to say, we won't give their life to Christ right now and all that. Because somehow you have even a lot of churches that are preaching, but yet not preaching the message of salvation, which is supposed to be the core. You come in to hear a message on how God needs to help you grow your business, on how God needs to help you have a happy family and all that. But the point of salvation, the point of preaching messages, focus on having a relationship with Christ was like the kind of missing link. So mm-hmm. it was like a general thing. Everyone didn't get to hear that you need to come to Christ, you need to have a relationship and all that. It was about preaching the law. It's about preaching these things are wrong. Don't do them. So then it's okay. I've had this message that it is wrong to do this. Okay, so I won't do it. Okay, things like that. But the whole essence of salvation, so it was like a general thing. It was not being preached. Mm. So it was there was not even that opportunity for that mi- mindset that I have in me that you can't please Christ mm. to even be beaten down mm. with the truth of you can do it, you can live for Christ, you just need to come to him today and all that. So that's the thing. And then somehow, sometimes when even these messages are preached, they come to you as if you need to stop sinning before you come to Christ. 
Like, don't do this, don't do that. Do you understand? Like, as if you can help yourself to stop committing sin. That, that, you need, as if Christ will not accept you until you've stopped those things. Instead of preaching the message the other way around to say, just give your... The way you are, just come the way you are, give your life to Christ, make that decision. You can live here and still go back to the same old life uh, that, that, that you're doing, but that does not mean you've lost it. As long as that desire is there to remain with Christ and you keep committing to him, gradually you will find yourself overcoming those things that are kind of like your challenges or your problems or something. So that, that's the thing that I see there. It was a general thing. It was preached at all. So I didn't even get the opportunity. Just like I told you, I said, after that conversation I had with the lady, it took me a bit of some months before I was able to attend a church where they preached and then there was a, say, come out if you want to give your life to Christ. That was when I had yeah, the opportunity. Yeah. Even though I made a decision a while ago, I didn't have the opportunity to finalize it. Ah, right. Awesome. Um, so you said earlier on, um, sometimes in your mind you'd sort of justify things like wrong things yeah. in your own mind you try and justify it yourself yeah. would you say that that was your biggest struggle uh in in those in that time of your life or were there any other struggles like in sin that you were sort of struggling with yeah well i wouldn't know if there i wouldn't say if there was something very main that i think i really struggled with yeah. because i didn't have the opportunity to even uh, get drunk or whatsoever or something uh-huh. I didn't have the opportunity to even try drugs or something like I said like the biggest desire for me then was having relationships with girls and all that having sex and all those things like that but the opportunity did not open up that was like the biggest long um, thing that I would say that I was really longing for that re- did not really happen there and there may be some little things of just lying about something and then just feel comfortable about it that well you just save yourself from the situation or something so that was the thing so I, I wouldn't really uh, say that I had something that was like a major struggle that I was really trying to overcome right. or something like that yeah, okay no. Cool. Great. Right. Let's move on. Let's hear about your life since that moment. Alright. Okay. We're back. Part three is where we hear about your life since then. We've already heard some of this. We've already heard you say, you know, you were um, reading more of your Bible. You were actually dropping mindsets and all this kind of thing so really it's more about what's happened in your life that has got you from university to and when you met God to where you are now and the situation you're in now so I, I don't know I guess we could just start with after you graduate how did you get from your graduation to here Okay, so I will say a bit before I graduated and afterwards because I gave my life to Christ uh, as a freshman in the university. The formative years of my salvation were mainly my years in the university. I spent five years in the university. Yeah, so I like commitments in church continued and all that. But, it, you know, just like I said earlier that, okay, my biggest desires was for girls and all that. But then I gave my life to Christ and it felt that that evil plan was truncated. Mm-hmm. But thinking that because I've given my life to Christ, it's going to be a smooth sail and ride. And then that wouldn't be a temptation again. But mm-hmm. I was wrong, actually, because even as at that point I gave my life to Christ, those opportunities that I didn't have when I wanted it now happened. 
Mm. And sometimes it wasn't that the opportunity just opened up and I walked into it. Sometimes it was like slipping into a thing. So you're just a friend with someone, you just close and then you're just discussing. And then so from there, something happened. Although I really didn't have the opportunity. To, uh, it, didn't, it didn't happen. I didn't fall so uh, much to like have sex with ladies or something like that. But mm. I knew that at least I did some little stuff that I wasn't supposed to do as at that point, even though I had given my life to Christ. Mm. And I had that for quite a long time. And not until I realized that it's not about the fact that, yeah, you are Christian, you've prayed about it. There is the element of discipline. You're not going to walk yourself into it and expect that the Holy Spirit to just come and yank you off. Even in all of those experiences, those little, those times as those little deviations happened, there were times that, there were times that, I, I, if I recall clearly, there will be one or two escape that will happen, that would that would open up for me, mm-hmm. but then I would ignore it. Like you're just alone in the room with a lady and then you're just discussing and then maybe you get a call to say, oh, I need you to come do X, Y, Z. That would have been the opportunity to run out of that opportunity then. But I'm like, yeah, I'll get to that later. And then before you know it, at the end of that conversation, I was like, oh, no, Lord, I think I've just crossed some boundaries there and all that. So this happened for quite a while, not until I realized that, hey, it's about discipline. You don't lock yourself up together in a closed room and then you're having a conversation and then you're sitting to close and then you expect that it's not something like that might not um, going to happen and all that. So that was like the biggest victory. I would say, because it was there even as a Christian, not until I grew up to that level to understand it, to say, you pray about these things, but yet you have to bring in the discipline to stay away from things that are more like your soft spot and all that. So yeah. that was that was the kind of thing for me. And in university, that period as well, to grow closer to God, got more committed in church with, I was in drama in church, I got committed with the youth church as well, too, was leading the youth in my church and university and then when i graduated there's something we call um nigerian youth service corps in mm. in, in in nigeria national youth service corps in nigeria i hope i'm not national in nigeria anyway <laughs> yeah so it's a one year after university where you just come to serve the government mm. so you do a three weeks in camp do some kind of paramilitary training wake up very early in the morning, come out to the field, soldiers, uh, military men are the ones training us and all that. So you just in camp for that three weeks and all that. That was also one part of my Christian work that was very, very interesting. What one of the reason why that phase of my life was also very interesting was because I was when I met my wife. Ah. So yeah. <laughs> so she only she's always been in the UK. She only came into Nigeria for that program okay. as well too. It wasn't compulsory for her since she's not resident in Nigeria, but she loved it and she wanted to come for it. And I believe that was God ordering our paths to cross. Mm-hmm. So but that was one part that I also really appreciated. I really also enjoyed my youth work and my work with, with God as well too. And um, the Christian fellowship we formed that was formed that I joined during that period also helped a great deal in terms of the knowledge of Christ, the passion for Christ. We were living in a house about a house about six to five young people living in the same house, all born in for Christ in the fellowship house. You sometimes you feel weary to pray, and then early in the morning you are hearing people praying from all different directions of the house, and this encourages you to pray. We also went out for mission trips and all that. All those were very interesting. Moving on from there, I, then I relocated to Abuja. And one thing that I really appreciate God for in my work has been, is really favored me. Like, I, I didn't have to chase so hard to get jobs or something because Nigeria is an environment where unemployment rate is very high. 
and I finished my, you know, when I finished that one year program, then where I did it was a place where you don't really get jobs. But I decided to say at that period, I just had a piece in my heart to stay and serve with the church. So I went to serve with the church that was even more in a more rural area than where I did the program. And I had to be there, did that volunteering. People were like, are you trying to become a pastor so young or something full time at this age or something? I was like, well, this is the only instruction I have in my spirit right now. Did that for about two months and then I got to release that it's time to move. And the moment I relocated, I relocated to Abuja. That's the capital of Nigeria. And the same week I got a job I was doing, the same week I got there, wow. it was like a part-time work I was doing there, I was doing some lecturing on weekends, mm-hmm. and then from there I got a full-time job about two months down the line, mm-hmm. and life was kind of fine from there, left there, moving to something else and all that, before I eventually, before it was time for me to relocate to come meet my wife in mm-hmm. Nigeria, which was a bit difficult as well too, but I thank God for how he's been how he's favored me thus far mm-hmm. in my journey and i really believe that ordinary my efforts or intelligence or smartness or diligence wouldn't have caught it for me if not for the favor of god so um, that's it So, Dari, thank you so much for giving us your story today, your walk with God today. As part for what we usually do, we give you the opportunity to uh, for a prayer request for you. What would you like the listeners of this podcast to pray for you about? Yeah, what I will the prayer I would really like is to be able to focus on God and prioritize his kingdom just like the word of god says that he should um, have the kingdom of god first and every other thing will be added because right now i will say that some of the temptation as someone who is kind of ambitious and all that i'm like hey i want to get a better job you're going to pay me much more higher salary over there but being able to focus on each time to say god where do you want me to be right now mm-hmm. if it's here that you want me to be able to do your work i will be here and i'm going to do it so because a bit of that this is i'm at that phase of life now where mm-hmm. those are like the con this yeah, yeah. thoughts those are like the temptations now so these are not the time of negative temptations Mm -hmm. but they're kind of positive temptations of Mm -hmm. chasing something good but at the expense of chasing god yeah so that's the prayer really exactly that to prioritize god above all else because i'm sure that if i focus on him that is where the best really lies absolutely yeah well hopefully well the listeners definitely will listeners been good at praying yeah and Stephen definitely prayed up for you as well man it's been great talking to you today Thanks. Yeah, it's been really, really good. I just like how you were talking earlier about discipline and then you go to this training camp and yeah. it's like God's putting everything in place for you just when you need it. So mm. this prayer, I'm sure, everything you're hoping for and dreaming for will be exactly there. So thank you very much for sharing your story with us. Thank you very much, Luke, for being here with me as a co-host. And thank you very much, dear listener, for listening to Darry's testimony and his story. As always, please do get in touch. Email ourwalkpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at ourwalkpod and search us on Facebook. Search Our Walk and we will reply and love you very much. As always, have a fantastic week. Be blessed. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.